Welcome back to Tailgates and Turnovers, the official film crew college football podcast. Happy Monday. It is Super Bowl week, and we are excited for, well, I wouldn't say we're excited. It's the end of football season. Kind of sucks. But uh, we're excited for a great game this coming weekend. Uh, Bennett, what's going on, dude? Not much. It was um, a weekend of pretty much no football. Did you watch any of like, the Senior Bowl or anything? Pro I, I Bowl? Got some clips of each, really. Nothing didn't stick around. Uh, had some had some errands to run out and do this weekend, so decided to take this take this time to get that done. Yeah, this is like a big like get stuff done around the house time of the year. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The only thing I saw from the Senior Bowl was Lad McConkey just like cooking everybody. Like yeah, yeah. I, I I'd say um he's gonna, he's not gonna go unknown like the way Puka Nakua did for a lot um, of people. No shot. I didn't see uh, – I read Joe Milton didn't do himself any favors. I, I mean, I saw he threw the ball like 80-something yards, but <laughs> besides that, yeah, he uh, he didn't look too hot. Yeah, was, but, you know, throwing the ball 80-something yards, I, I don't think anybody really doubted that he had the ability to do that. It's whether or not he can accurately do it. Yeah, I mean, I saw the, the pick he had during the game. It wasn't good. It was nah. uh, yeah, straight to a defender, basically. <laughs> I know, uh, I know Hartman had some reps in, didn't really, yeah. like I said, I only watched the clips of the game. Didn't sound like he did too poorly. Yeah, I, I, I really didn't see that much of it, to be yeah. honest. Um, and I, I watched zero seconds of the flag football Pro Bowl, so. Yeah, I saw, that's not, that's not the one I saw some clips of it. I did enjoy the, uh, <laughs> whenever they did like the sled race or whatever, and uh, Jason Kelsey was just like doing the old tiny railroad thing where you're like just uh-huh. up. And yeah it seemed, it seemed to have helped but yeah it didn't, I, it didn't. I think he's done like i just, I just think he's checked out i think he's not oh, coming I back so. i think so too yeah he's just I enjoying would, the last couple months of it yeah which i mean yeah no shit dude you're a hall of famer and take your take your victory lap this week this week and last week yeah i feel like the nfl uh Hall of Fame's a lot easier to uh, get into than baseball, where they just had right. baseball voting recently, and it's just like all over the board on who can get in and who can't. Yeah, it does feel like the writers for the NFL Hall of Fame are a little less up their ass than baseball Hall of Fame writers are. Yeah, it's like uh, who who have been the like I think Joe Mauer just got in first ballot, right? Yeah, yeah, I think and like that was. In. That was like the big one where like it was like everyone's kind of arguing, but then there's there's all those guys that are like about to be left out for good. Uh, yeah, Sheffield. Which is so dumb. There's a, there's a threshold, like there's a cutoff. Like, yeah, I mean, you can't let the guy stand there forever. I mean, I guess does the the NFL doesn't have a cutoff like that, do they? I don't think so. I think all of a sudden, like every once in a while, they'll like put somebody in that's basically passed away. Like someone that's like, yeah, would have been like a hundred something years old. Yeah, and there's so, always like the which baseball does have like the senior. They also have like the senior Hall of Fame voting too. So like the window gets reopened after a time. But I don't know. Sometimes it's just a weird like blood at a, like wide receivers like in the NFL. Like it's just hard for a wide receiver to make it, even though plenty of people agree that they should make it. So I don't know. college football wise, any. Any news you want to talk about? I mean, it was pretty quiet on the uh, Western Front. It was a lot of near news, uh, not a ton of like news news. You know? Like, it sounds like Bill O'Brien to Boston College is somehow imminent. Um, we'll see what happens on that front there, but a lot of a lot of smoke to that fire right now, which would be an interesting hire. I mean, I think it's I think O'Brien would be good at a place like Boston College. Um, it'd be definitely a splash hire for the Eagles for sure, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to do worse than what they have done. Speaking speaking of former assistants, did you see who is expected to become the Washington defensive coordinator? Uh, yes, Steve Belichick. Yes, strange, <laughs> but I, love- I honestly, I probably good for him. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a good way for him to get out of you know Bill's shadow, which I. I don't mean no disrespect to him, but I think everybody kind of feels that way that he's just kind of been in Bell's shadow. Um, 
not to not to end Dash Brown himself, but it'll be good to see him see what he can do outside of that. Yeah. I um I saw Georgia took down the hedges. I saw that too. Uh is there a reason for that? I I think they just needed to do some work. So gotcha. they'll put him back in. What I understand is just they like they never take him out. So it's just yeah, I saw what it looks like without him. It just looks really, really weird. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is strange seeing it. When you said uh <laughs> It's funny when you uh, when you said, "Did you see who became the new Washington?" I thought you were gonna, definitely going to talk about Cliff for a second, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not." Oh gonna... yeah, I mean that's that's news too, I guess. Am I am I just an idiot for not remembering that he was only an analyst at USC? Like he wasn't the offensive coordinator. Yeah, they kind of moved him up to quarterbacks coach at one point, but then they kind of pulled him back in. Yeah. So I, yeah, obviously there's a ton of speculation about if they're going to trade for Caleb Williams, which I don't know if they're like entertaining because it takes two teams to make a trade, and like the Bears aren't just going to give the pick away just because, just because he's from DC and because Clips is coach. Like, I don't think that's really going to affect the Bears calculus too much, but. Um, so USC's got to find a new quarterbacks coach. I mean, again, that that feels like a position that's more Lincoln Riley clipboard holder at a certain point. Yeah, for sure. He's still calling the plays. Yeah, still calling the plays, and he's still obviously the one that works with the quarterbacks the most out of anyone on that roster. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. But I think the there's only of- like I think there's only like ten guys that still call the plays, right? That are head coaches, something yeah, like that. Not a ton. Yeah, so, I but mean, I mean he. Not- like it, it's arguably better for the program to have it that way, but oh, know. for sure. But he he hasn't shown me anything that his offenses get worse when he's not like so. I, I don't see any reason he shouldn't be calling the plays. It's just he needs to focus a little more on getting the defense right. But he needs to. And I just I don't know if he can. I don't know if he has the <laughs> care. He, yeah. he brought he brought a guy in that probably does care, but we'll we'll just have to see. So, Dan Lynn, yeah, I saw what his um, his benefits were for taking the job. I think he got a salary of $3 million, which is a lot for a DC in college. And then they also gave him a uh, – we've always talked about the cost of living. They gave him $500,000 as a housing adjustment, like a year. Oh, nice for a small apartment in LA. I, well, yeah. I'm, dude, like, seriously, I, I watched Million Dollar Listing LA. You can't buy like a decent house out there for less than like two and a half million dollars, three million dollars. And even then you're like way out in the fucking valley somewhere. Like you're not anywhere close to uh, Pasadena. Four hours. (laughs) Yeah. The traffic out there really is like absolutely nuts. And uh, shout out to all the chase boys uh, in the discord because I've been watching a lot of car chases on uh, (laughs) from the LA helicopter cams. It's funny because sometimes they just let the guys go. They're like, oh, he's, he's just driving under the influence. Just let him go. And then they just like get their license plate and they know who they are. They're like, it's so-and-so and so-and-so. And like, we'll just get him at their house later. Hell yeah. It's, it's crazy, but I'm also like, oh. all right, so you're just letting this dude drive around drunk and like just hoping he doesn't like hit somebody or like. Like what if it's a stolen car too? Like, <laughs> Well, that if it's a stolen car, they always like stay on it and pursue. Like they. Yeah, but they like, will. I'm saying, like, what if they don't know if it's stolen? What if it hasn't been reported stolen yet? Oh yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean that's it's a lot of money for a defensive coordinator, and honestly, for one that wasn't necessarily a hot name going into the coaching carousel, like the hire kind of surprised a lot of people. So, I mean, and it's got to yeah, be uh, that's going to be one of the biggest coaching salaries cool. for a coordinator. Yeah, we we talked about this last week. His um with the Jeff Halfley situation, I think he just, he wants to be a head coach and he views it as if he can turn USC's defense around quick, it just gets him into that talk right away. But he's still young and uh, he took USC from, I think they were like close to a hundred to like top 15 in a year. So, I mean, they had a really good defense this year for all their other flaws. Who, USC did? UCLA. UCLA, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it is strange to see somebody jump from rival to rival. Yeah. Always. No, they did. A, Bruins did have a pretty good, damn good defense. So, um, 
I, I think it's a good hire. I don't think it's a bad one necessarily. It's just it, it was kind of surprising to see him get that much of a pay bump. Just I yeah. mean, from what I remember, typically like the the premier coordinator salaries have been like two two and a half million. So for someone to get three, like it's that's significant. I mean, I'm sure USC is flush with cash and. Yeah. They're a private school, I mean, so like you don't we don't really know unless he gets announced. So three three is what I heard. Yeah. Two and a half is probably more likely, but who knows what Alex Grinch was making as well. So But he's at Wisconsin now. He's the uh, the linebackers coach. Which yeah. he might just he honestly might just be one of those dudes that's better a level lower than what he was. Wisconsin seems like, like a good fit. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's Lincoln Riley. Like maybe Grinch is just like Maybe Grinch is just kind of been saddled with Lincoln Riley instead of the other way around. Like he, it's it's impossible to tell because they've been at the hip since Lincoln took over. You know, I always think of you. Remember when uh, Tennessee was and Philip Fulmer put in his list, and it was Alex French. <laughs> God, <laughs> there was another one. I think it just said Arkansas. I think he was talking about um Kendall Bryles. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Phil, I like Fulmer. Character. Yeah, but uh, more postmortems, and I guess yeah, we're, most, we're we're sticking homerish today. Yeah, we're we're gonna take the layups here, talk about the ones that we have probably the most most knowledge about. Uh, we're gonna do Michigan State and then Notre Dame. Um, just to to be to be frank, uh, got about five hours of sleep last night. I had to wake up before for some long hauling today, so uh, just want to make sure we get some get some layups done. Yeah, I'm with you. I I have a I have a ruptured eardrum. Really? Yeah, I had a sinus infection. I guess if you go on a plane with a sinus infection, it's not a good idea. So it's it's one of those things that sounds a lot worse. Like this is like it heals on its own pretty quick. It's just anytime I um sneeze or yawn or burp or whatever, my ear is just in huge pain. Yeah. I think I'm starting to get whatever my kid has in terms of getting sick too. He's been uh... He started coughing and getting really uh see over the weekend and last night when I went to bed my the back of my throat started hurting and I thought so like my nose getting a little stuff here. I'm like, I don't know. I'm sorry to hear that that's that's what happened to me. Like kids were sick and then it's like I mean you have to take care of them, so you're gonna get sick from it as well. Like there's no way around it. Can't get away from it. Yeah. Yeah. But we move we move. Yeah, we move. Power on. Uh bear down. Uh what else? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But you can start with Notre Dame. <laughs> I'll start. Yeah. So Notre Dame, um, this was a team that definitely had playoff expectations, hopes, whatever you want to call it, going into the season. They went out and got Sam Hartman in the transfer portal, who was at the time considered the, uh, you know, the premier quarterback available. And... It didn't go as well as people wanted to or expected. Um, and a lot of that in my – and again, it's hard to really pin it on one person, team effort for some of the collapses that happened this year. But the the failed hiring of uh, Andy Ludwig, all the drama that went out came out with that, and just the eventual settling for Jared Parker as offensive coordinator, I think really, really set the program back this year. Um, I mean, the offense was just kind of a disaster by the end of the season. Like it was, it was in the same tier as Iowa. Like he, he, they, for some reason, Jared Parker for some reason refused to utilize pass. They were in the bottom or play action. They were in the bottom third in the country in play action, but had one of the highest success rates when they did run it. And like they just did not. He, Parker did not seem to be putting the offense in a place to succeed, which was frustrating. Like as a fan, you're just watching like. You have players that, while unproven, are pretty talented. And, like, a lot of that might be the wide receiver room just didn't pan out like the way they wanted it to either. Um, but very frustrating on offense and wasting what was honestly probably a top 10 defensive unit in the country. Like, they had a they had an incredible defense this year. Yeah, I, I would and, say that's, like, the, the biggest bright spot was just how awesome the defense was this year. And the good news going forward, too, is that a lot of that defensive talent is coming back. And Al Milton's back as of right yep. now. He was a name that was initially leaked to the Boston College job. It sounded like he has kind of taken his own name out of that job. So 
we'll see what happens there. But uh, the defense is going to be back. A lot of the defense is going to be back. They have finished out the season with a – it was a dominant win over an Oregon State team, but it was an Oregon State team that had been gutted by the other team we're going to be talking about today. Uh, so, you know, you saw a lot of good things out of uh, Steve Angeli. Like, he, he performed admirably for the role that he was in as the starting quarterback in the bowl game. Um, definitely not enough to engender quarterback competition once Riley Leonard comes in and once once CJ Carr, uh, who is already ha- was already on campus at the time of the bowl game, like he's not going to be the starting quarterback another day. Like I would love to be proven wrong. I would love for him to just be a gem of a, th- of a th- high three, low four star, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, that's. I, I I've always kind of looked at CJ Carr as that like middle four star. Like I, I and he's rated as like a high four star. Um, By, he's like got like a ninety, so awesome, which is so weird. Yeah, he's got like a well, like a ninety seven ish rating, like ninety seven eight on two four seven. Yeah, he's a, he's a top one hundred player pretty much every recruiting service. Yeah, I, I just feel like he's like closer to like that ninety five range, ninety four. Yeah, and we'll but see what happens. I, we, have, we haven't seen him play. So who fucking yeah. knows? Exactly. Um, but yes, I mean Steve Angeli, like he played really well, and hopefully, if he ends up transferring out, uh, he put good enough tape during the bowl game that teams will like him, and that he'll be able to find a good spot for him. But um, you just saw a you just saw a big waste of offensive talent, um, and we have offensive talent going. Like Joe Alt is should be a top five pick. I don't know if he's going to be just because of team needs and everything like that, but. He should be a top five pick. You had Audrick Estime, who probably played himself into being a draftable player this year. I mean, maybe the best running back in the class this year. It's kind of hard to tell with this class. You had a lot of guys that were potentially going to leave that have decided to stay. So you can't necessarily, you know, you got to grade that on a curve a little bit. But, I mean, you've got the tight, tight ends, obviously, are just going to be constantly coming out of Notre Dame Pro ready. Like, you have players. It's just did not pan out the way that they wanted to on offense. Yeah, I. Yeah, that's fair to say. And like all of the losses, like the first loss against Ohio State. I mean, as much as you could say that, like you should have had eleven men on the field, which you should have on that last play, and they ran it right to where that gap was. Um, there was a tip. There was a ball that just barely, barely missed DJ Brown's fingertips during that drive. That would have just been a game sealing interception. I mean, the defense, they held Ohio State to 17 points. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The defense played so well, and the offense just kind of sputtered when, the, when it mattered the most. So that's kind, of what we're, that's kind of where we're at going into the offseason. They've made some offseason additions. Like, they got Riley Leonard out of Duke. They also got R.J. Oban out of Duke, the edge rusher. Uh, they got, when got Chris Mitchell and Bo Collins as wide receivers out of the transfer portal. Like, they... They've added talent and picked their spots in ways that should bring some key contributors immediately to the team. And they, yeah. oh yeah, they they went and hired Mike Dunbrock back from LSU. So they went from Jared Parker to you know the guy responsible for the best offense in college football this year. Um, I think I, I, it's going to be an upgrade, and it's a dude that loves Notre Dame. So I don't really think there's any real fear of him leaving. Um, seems like this is probably going to be where he is until he retires. Um, from all the insider sources that I've been reading or hearing, he's got probably about five years left in him, and he's got like a four-year contract. So that this seems like it's going to be the the ending spot for him. But how is he that old? I didn't think he was that old. I don't know if he's that old or if he might just, or that's just his personal timetable, which can always change. I mean, dude, honestly, like I love working and stuff, but if I could retire at forty-five oh, or fifty dude. or whatever it is, like I'd get the money these dudes are making. Yeah, I'd I'd be done pretty early. Yeah. So yeah, the team it's it's in pretty good position going forward. Honestly, like there there's a lot to be excited about. I think the big honestly, it's weird to say the biggest question for the Irish this year, outside of like the quarterback, just because you know with Riley Leonard like injury history and personally before we got him and even now like I have concerns about just the consistency in the passing game. Like he's a dynamic player. But as a Bears fan who's gone through Justin Fields for three or four years where, like, it's a super dynamic playmaker that sometimes struggles for consistency in the passing game, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if I necessarily want to do the song and dance again. Yeah, I and I think us in particular more than a lot of people watched way too much college football this year, so we kind of saw Riley Leonard throughout, and it's a lot of it really is just making plays with his feet, which is yeah. which is great. And granted, he but got we, hurt for a significant portion, of, like after the, the Notre Dame game, put him out for the season. So like, yeah, pretty much. And then I mean, they saw him come back for they they really tried to put him out there for Florida State. And like he couldn't really move, and then you really saw him limited. And I think that was more of a good defensive plan from Florida State more than anything. Um, Florida State defense this year. Yeah, I mean we haven't done Florida State yet, but I mean obviously uh, a season, a plus season. So yeah. I yeah, I think them being able to limit it uh, and just push him into purely being a pocket passer for the whole game and then the cornerbacks just being able to shut down the wide receivers like he had no shot at being successful in that game 100 percent. yeah so it, yeah so i mean there's there is there's not as much excitement for me <clears throat> with the quarterback transfer this year as there was last year with hartman and hartman hartman kind of failing as the season got on was again kind of a team effort like you had like jared parker wasn't doing, doing him any favors the wide receivers weren't getting open but he made some just straight up boneheaded mistakes too like some of the mistakes in the Clemson game and in the louisville game like just no not on anybody but him. so yeah. well i mean maybe i'm wrong maybe i was too excited about leonard maybe i'm not excited enough, or too excited about hartman maybe i'm not excited enough about leonard this year but uh, I think outside of that, though, the big question is going to be the offensive tackle situation because both Joe Ald and Blake Fisher are going to the NFL draft, and it's going to be a youth movement. And I, I think, obviously, I'm not necessarily super concerned about Notre Dame being able to produce offensive linemen, but we went from Joe Ald, a, a guy who allowed a single sack his entire college career, to just a complete unknown. And... I mean, that's just going to raise some question marks, especially when you have a quarterback who, you know, has an injury history at this point or who is a play, who is a guy that makes plays with his feet. So um, the questions are definitely still more on the offensive side of the ball, but I think they've done a good job in the transfer portal of addressing some of their bigger needs. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. So if if Leonard does go down at any point, it is Steven Jelly, right? Like, I, I mean, I feel like it's either – I mean, Kenny Minji's there as well, um, which if Angeli tra- – I think one of those two is probably going to end up transferring this year, uh, whether that be after spring ball or what have you. Uh, but yeah. more so, most likely after spring ball. Um, it's going to be either him or Minji. I would not I – would, I would be surprised if they felt C.J. Carr was ready. If he is, then awesome. Like that, That's great news if C.J. Carr is ready to be the number two right away. Um, but I, do- I doubt they're going to do that. Who's – um. Who's been like true freshman starters for Notre Dame? Clawson. I want to say Dane Chris was a true freshman starter. Uh, was he? I was he in so. book all four? Yeah, book. Well, was he a redshirt freshman when he got in? Yeah, he might have been. I I don't know, but yeah, we're we're yeah, playing quarterback for wise, yeah. Quarter, quarterback wise, yeah, not a lot. I thought you were just talking general. I was like, Ben Morrison was a true freshman starter, and he's probably going to be a top five pick next year. But yeah, no, no, he's, yeah, uh, at quarterback. But I, like, I know Clawson yeah. was for sure because he was like golden boy. Like, yeah, he was supposed I think to. Chris might have been another one. Okay, but so. like Golston or none of them ever were. Like, no, I don't believe so. Like Buckner spot started his freshman year, I think. Just yeah, like like, like the Cincinnati game or something like that. Went probably gonna hurt, but um, yeah, not, not a ton of true freshman starting quarterbacks. And really, you don't see that in a ton of programs with healthy QB room. So I'm not I'm not necessarily super worried about that. Um they're gonna use the transfer portal until they don't feel like they need to anymore. Yeah, they've done a good job at um using the transfer portal. Like I mean they're, they're it's it's the newest model which is just spot starting where you need it and you know, living the rest of recruiting, which Notre Dame's obviously able to do very well since they're one of the few national programs. Yeah, and I mean, the recruiting has seen an uptick just in, in average player rating and all that stuff, too, uh, just since Freeman has kind of taken the reins over. Um, they've missed on a couple of big-name big, big name prospects that have kind of put that taste back in fans' mouths. You know, oh, Notre Dame not going to be able to get it done again. But 
Uh, they've raised the floor, which I think has been a testament to, you know, Freeman and the staff's evaluator uh, of talent. But th- this is who Notre Dame is going to be. Uh, I think they are getting they're getting a lot looser in the portal, especially with the new administration coming in. Um, from what it sounds like, they're a lot more supportive of just the idea of using the portal to augment talent. So we might see them be more aggressive going forward here. But, uh, yeah, as of right now, it's just been uh, using it in spots, kind of like Michigan has been, um, as much as I hate making that comparison. But it's, it's a similar approach to the portal in, in that they're trying just to augment what they have on the roster. Yeah, and like, the, what was the problem there before? It was like hard to get kids in, just GPA and majors. So, if you're not a freshman or a grad transfer, it is very, very difficult to get in um, as a transfer. And it sounds like some of those rules might be loosening. Not sure how loose they're going to take it, just because I mean, I mean, Notre Dame's a premier academic institution, and they're just—I don't think they're going to lax it all the way, but. Uh, it does sound like they're making things a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, so like, I guess this year was. Pre- so who else came in besides Oban? I mean, I, obviously you get the Duke guys, which are similar academic institutions. So like, you had Chris Mitchell from FIU. I want to say either okay. FIU or FAU. And his, his brother's the one that went to Penn State, right? Like they're twins. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then uh, Bo Collins out of Clemson. See, that's. That's Another, a little below on academics, but not too far. Yeah, and one of those two might be grads, honestly. I'm not sure. So that's okay. the thing, too, with the grad transfers. Like, Notre Dame will take those any time, any day of the week, but uh, it's been the undergrad that's been the issue there. Got it. Yeah. So, and I think a lot of it stems from uh, the foreign language requirement, which is another reason that they've missed out on some players uh, in high school recruiting. Like, Walker Howard was a dude that was going to go to Notre Dame, but he didn't have a foreign – he didn't pass the foreign language requirement somehow. So they what, up, what is that? You just have to have a, yeah, a second I, language? I think so, yeah. What is that? Just in case so many, you have to have just so many credits in a foreign language, like on your transcript. Is that just so you can like go on a mission or something? I don't know what the reasoning for it is. Um, I know it's probably just as a sign of like being well rounded or something. I honestly don't know the reasoning for it, but. They've missed on some players in high school recruiting because of it. I mean, I think that's been part of the issue for some of the college transfers as well. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean, like, I I think it is important to have a second language. It's one thing that I wish I had for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be nice. Like, yeah. I, took, I ended up taking German in high school because I wanted it, but like, use it. Right. See, I wish I had German right now, but I don't. Yeah. So, I mean, going forward, I think, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. And honestly, the schedule is doing over to have a ton of fingers this year. Um, they are playing Florida State and Texas A&M as their two big, uh, the new big new ma- matchups this year. Um, Texas A&M, I'm honestly a little worried about Texas A&M. Just with, uh, with Mike Elko being there now. I... I'm just concerned that it's going to be a game where maybe they show they're a little slow uh, to show up, and Elko's going to have them coming out ready to go, especially with it being the first home game of the new uh, the new tenure there. So we're just going to have to see on that one. But then Florida State, like Florida State, just lost a ton of talent this year. Like it's not going it's not going to be the same state team. No, yeah, I think if they played this year, Florida State definitely probably could have knocked them off. But yeah, uh, twenty twenty four, not the same. Yeah. But and realistically, like Notre Dame should be looking at a playoff, hosting a playoff game this year, next season. Because with the new rules, they're automatically out of the top four, right? Yes, they can. They cannot uh, get a bye without a conference championship. That's crazy. Nobody, nobody can get a bye. Well, I mean, it makes sense though, because then you're gonna like that. Also, prevents two like two teams from the same conference having bye weeks like Alabama and Georgia both getting bye weeks or something like that. So, like, I, I, see, I see the vision behind it. But, honestly, part of it is probably just what they needed to do in order to get the, get the deal done for the expanded playoff. I mean, they still have access to it. and Like, it's crazy because, like, the teams that get a bye week, they don't get to host a playoff game. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you, though. I'd definitely be a little scared about going to College Station week one. Like, that's yeah. – 
even if it that. wasn't Elko's first game, that's just, yeah. <laughs> it's uh that's a tough game for kids to get up and go on the road for in the first week. Oh, 100%. I'm tempted to go myself, but um, we'll, we'll have to see what, what's shaking and baking there. But it's yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it is. So it, looking forward, like, there's a lot to be excited about, and the expectation is still going to be competing for a playoff spot. I don't know if they necessarily feel like the team can win the national championship. I feel like they should be able to host a game, and then because of that, I feel like they will win one playoff game. I don't know where it goes from there. Anything else is playing with house money. But if they don't make the playoff this year with it being a 12-team playoff, there's going to be some hard games. Yeah, what's the uh, what's the, the heat meter on uh, Freeman if he doesn't make the playoff this year? If he doesn't make the playoff, I think it's going to be hot. Like real I hot? Don't, I, don't think he'll fi- I don't think he'll fire him after this year um, for not making the playoff. Depends. I mean, if the team just implodes, then yeah, time to go. But I think he's recruiting well enough and the message is still right that, like, Seed will be hot, but it won't be higher level. And it, like a lot of it depends too. Like if they're ten and two, like just barely out of the playoff, like it, you know, there's different grades. But he got his first. Ten, he's got he got his ten win season this year. It's something to build off. Of. It's like the expectation is making and winning a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, I think if they win ten games this year, they're they're probably in regardless. So yeah, I kind of want to look and see what they're like. You know, who the worst team that would have made the playoff has been since we started the playoff. I feel like it would be a fun little article or, or podcast to talk about just to see, like, just to see what the threshold has been and what it will be. Because another thing that's not being considered with this is conference realignment. Like, it's going to be a lot harder to go undefeated in conferences. Oh, yeah. And I think that's why I've said in the Big Ten and SEC, if you're winning 10 games, no matter what, you're probably in. Nine games yeah. is kind of that fringe from here on out. Yeah. Like, Definitely. I mean, like, and just the 10-win mark. Like, how, how tough it's going to be without without the divisions and everything. Like, you you could literally get a Michigan-Ohio State rematch in a given year in the Big Ten. Yeah. And just like the 10-win mark this year for the Big Ten would have been Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Like, they all would have been in for sure this last year. And then I think the SEC was Bama, Georgia – and LSU, I think. Man, maybe Missouri, maybe Missouri, not LSU. Oh yeah, I think it would have been Missouri. Yeah, so like they, the three of them would have been in, and then the rest is kind of, I think, just evaluating who's probably deserving of the spot. Right. So, but with this schedule, I mean, it should be good. So, like, what uh, we did the grades last time. What what would you have graded this year? <laughs> I would have graded it as probably like an 83, somewhere See, around I'm, there. I'm like right in there like that low B because it's been the story for many years that all they need is a quarterback. And the quarterback would have gotten – yeah, they supposedly Hartman was the guy and it just like didn't get them over the hump. Yeah, which yeah, which again, like we literally had an Iowa tier offensive coordinator running things by the end of the season. So like I – it got to the point where there was – pretty educated speculation from insiders that he had been quietly stripped of play calling duties, or at least like had them reduced by the time the season was over. And he, this has been all but confirmed by insiders that he was told to look for a job. Well, he found one somehow. A head coaching job. Thanks, Troy. Yeah. I think he's better as like that CEO type head coaching role. He seems like he interviews well. He seems like a good dude. Just, did not rise to the occasion when it came to being offensive coordinator. I was just surprised when Summerall left Troy that he was the one that got the head coaching job. Like, yeah, I just, it, it, it didn't came out seem of like, nowhere. Yeah, it didn't seem like there was like a any kind of smoke about that at all. Yeah, but I mean, going forward, it's like ninety-five for me. Like, they should be able to make the playoff every year. They should be able to compete yep. for a national championship. Like you said, they're never going to be in the top four, so that makes it harder. You got to win an extra game, mm-hmm. uh, but they should be having a home first round playoff game pretty consistently. Yeah, like it, that has got to be the standard going forward if they want to make those fans. Like I, I think they are going to do that. Um, it's, it sounds like facilities are going to be getting massive upgrades here in the very near, fe- near future. Um, more funds just being kind of allocated towards the football team, so. Like the, the standards gotta be on. 
Yeah, I'm, they, there's no reason they shouldn't be ranked in between five and eight every year or every other year. They should be a top-ten team every year. Yeah, definitely should be at least in that nine to 12 range at least. 100%. So that's where we're at with Notre Dame. Um, you know, uh, some, some reason for optimism going forward, but definitely a disappointing season that was somewhat, somewhat stymied by the, uh, the bowl game win. It helped, it helped getting a 10-win season is, you know, it's never a bad Unless you are just like a straight out every year. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, you can't so, complain about a 10-win season. That's, yeah. Unless you're unless you're Ohio State. Right. Uh, <laughs> with that, yeah, that's good for, good for them. Yeah. With Sorry, that being said, that. though, no, I was going to say, let's, uh, let's flip it over to your, to your team. Let's go over and talk about Michigan State. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously a a dud of a football season, I think to say the least. Um, it was going into the season. I think the the win mark was totaled at five and a half, and I had them as a pretty clear over. They finished with four wins, but they had a couple of games, honestly, where special teams just threw it away. Uh, the Iowa game and then Rutgers as well. They uh, they really. They they had a 17 point lead going into the fourth quarter, which I yeah. don't I don't want to bash on Rutgers. Rutgers was really good this year, uh, but then we they they probably finished Tom Allen out of his job finally when they snuck out in Bloomington. Hang the banner, uh, yeah, <laughs> hang the banner. But I it was a really really tough schedule this year as well. I mean you you clearly saw it when they faced Washington, Ohio State. Michigan and Penn State, just how far the talent levels were off completely. Mm-hmm. And just the, I would just say the coaching levels as well, uh, which was no easy feat compared to most considering the uh, the Mel Tucker situation, which yeah. I don't, we can get into that if you want, but. So, uh, yeah, we don't need to, Tuck came and went, it's fine. Yeah, he came and went, and uh <laughs> <laughs> the the thing with him is, and you, we've talked about it before, is just even as his technical position, the secondary has just been all sorts of down. Yeah, throughout his entire time there, uh, he's he's had some guys transfer in. He's tried to use the the portal to get some good guys. Um, recruiting, he did the he's kind of done the Colorado method, and it just didn't work out. Um, but I will say some of the younger guys that came in, in, in particular, uh, Mangum Tatum, and then like Jordan Hall, who was a freshman from IMG, was uh, freshman All American this year at linebacker. Like some of the guys really panned out, and the the good thing is with Jonathan Smith coming in. Sorry, excuse me, my nose. With Jonathan Smith coming in, all those guys are sticking around. Yeah, and they. Yeah, like he was he was able to come in and hold it together. They had some guys that transferred out. Uh you know, a couple guys on the offensive line I think are gonna be a little bit largely missed, but along with all that, he was able to bring in Aiden Childs and I I mean like so got possibly the best quarterback in the entire transfer portal coming in. Possibly. Yeah. <clears throat> it's it's going to be interesting, too. And the thing with, like, all the transfers, too, is you never know who's processed out and who's, like, actually, you know, a loss for a program. And that's with any with any kind of transfer portal stuff. But even when a new coach comes in, like, sometimes the new coach knows right away, like, hey, you're not at, like, you're going to have to find a new spot. Well, uh, so just – I think this will be able to tell you the, um, the talent level of the quarterbacks that they had that were – on the roster this year. So you had Caden Hauser, who most people thought was the quarterback of the future out of Bosco. Yep. He transfers to East Carolina. Um, Noah Kim, who was kind of the veteran that was in there and came in, he transfers to coastal Carolina to take over Grayson McCall's stop. And then Sam Levitt, who was honestly, when he was in maybe the best of the three, he was kind yeah. of a, uh, a late flip. Um, he transfers to Arizona state to kind of compete for that job. But with him, he didn't want to stick around. He's one of the guys that left because he was originally 
from the state of Oregon. He never got a sniff from Jonathan Smith in recruiting because they already had Childs coming in. And I think he kind of felt he, – he felt slighted, I think, yeah. just from growing up there. So I, I totally understand, but him going to Arizona State, I think he has a chance to even compete with uh, Rashada for the starting job. He was really good this year. Athletic, and uh, he can swing it for sure. Yeah, and the, I mean, the talent disparity, we kind of knew going into this year that it was not going to be an easy season, you know? No, no, not at all. I, I, I thought they would be able to make a bowl game, which yeah. was the goal, just get the guys some extra practice. But once the Tucker news broke, I was just like, hopefully Harlan Barnett can just keep it all together. Like, I mean, yeah. this year for me is a clear F. I mean, it's a, it's a, a 55. Yeah, like, he didn't. Didn't make a bowl game. Like it's hard to as a as a program that has had that has made it to the playoff, not making a bowl game, any bowl game is just like that. That's got to be that. Like you're yeah, a program that should be a lot better. Yeah, the the defense, like in those games, lost to Ohio State thirty eight to three, lost to Michigan. I think it was forty nine nothing. Lost to Washington. I think it was. 41 to – I think they, they scored a touchdown in that one. Yeah, uh, and then, yeah, and then Penn State, they just got blanked at the end of the year. It was 42 nothing in a yeah. Ford field. When did, and, the, uh, when did the Tucker News break? I honestly can't even remember when during the season it was. Was it early? It was before the year. It was like right before the year. It was it before, uh, okay. it, No, no, no. It was week two. Week two. Okay. And then he was – Early, though. Yeah, then he was kind of suspended indefinitely. And like – Hats off to Harlan Barnett, who was able to kind of just keep the ship moving. Uh, but uh, immediately once he was let go, they, they rattled off six straight L's. Like it was. Yeah. But like I said, again, not a lot of guys transferred out. Um, their, their star from this recruiting class, Nick Marsh, who's a uh, in-state kid, like he's, he's stuck around. He says, you know, I want to be in East Lansing. Uh, he should be kind of like the wide receiver stud of the future. Yeah. And then once Jonathan Smith got in, I mean, like he started bringing in pretty much everybody from Oregon State. And then he was able to kind of get his recruiting going as well on the guys that he had committed there. It's going to be a little bit of a culture shock, I think, for a lot of guys compared to where they would have been in Corvallis. But, I mean, Corvallis isn't like a major city by any means. Like it's it's kind of a college town. and Yeah. It's uh, I'd say it's pretty similar. The school's not nearly as big as Michigan State, uh, enrollment wise, but he he brought over pretty much all of his staff, and it's it's nice to see he had uh, Coach D'Antonio's full endorsement. Sounds like D'Antonio was in, like in for right. a lot of the uh, coaching search. They had a lot of meetings, went to some dinners, and it's it's going from this. Hopefully, we can be a recruit four stars to getting back to winning some in-state battles when you can getting kids from the Midwest to go to a power program and develop, which worked for a long fucking time under D'Antonio. So yeah. And it's just so hard for Michigan state to win those battles too. Just being surrounded on all sides by other programs with, you know, no offense, man, but like more storied histories. Like you've got Ohio state, Michigan, Notre Dame, and then you've got schools like Wisconsin that are also probably going to be looking for Michigan kids. Like, it's just in a weird spot. Like, being, being the secondary football school in any state is just – it's an uphill battle. Yeah, it was it was really weird to see it under, uh, under Tucker. I mean, like, he kind of used his pipeline down to Georgia a little bit for when he was here yeah. in, uh, in Athens. Uh, got a lot of kids from Florida, but – at the end of the day, like you weren't getting that many kids in state. Uh, yeah, like a lot of a lot of like the big the big schools, like you know Bishop Gorman and St. John Bosco and IMG. He was like getting kids from there, but they weren't the stars on those teams by any means. Right. Yeah. A lot of that too is about establishing a pipeline. You know, um, like we're like Notre Dame is going to is targeting some kids from like Bosco and Major D and stuff like that, like trying to get pipelines in there, not necessarily going big game hunting for those guys, but just trying to get their foot in the door, basically. 
Yeah, but I, I think the biggest upgrade, even ahead of you know a huge culture shift, is just getting coaches in there that know what they're doing. Um, yeah. it, it should be a switch. But yeah, it's it comes back to a level of coaching competency that we weren't able to see. Like this last year, uh, Ross Ells alone was pretty much in direct result for the losses in the Iowa game and the Rutgers game. And if you win those, you're going bowling as it is. Not a good bowl, but you're going bowling. Going bowling allows you to have the extra practice and just get more guys together on the – get the guys more time together on the field. But it wasn't just him. I mean, offensively wise, like Jay Johnson, uh, yeah, Chris Pilovic, uh, the offensive line coach. I mean, offensive line was by far probably the biggest issue they had um, going back to with what D'Antonio left them. But also, I mean, if you look at it across the board, that's what lost you you win the those battles as a lesser talented program in the trenches and that is just something they refuse to do uh these yeah. last couple of years yeah it makes it tough i mean if you're if you're already at a talent disadvantage on the edges if you don't if you aren't able to play like some volleyball up front like you're you're gonna have a bad time basically and that goes for both sides of the ball like you can almost get away with having like not as good skill players if you're just looking for like a floor, um, but if you're bad in the trenches on top of that, like the whole thing is just a mess. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things. They always had at least like one wide receiver, no matter if they weren't usually the best. I mean, like these last couple of years, obviously Jaden Reed and then Keon Coleman was there who right. left, but then I mean before that, like Jalen Naylor was there, like guys that got drafted in the NFL. Yeah, guys that. You know, maybe we're a second day pick, but they were in the NFL. So yeah, it's hard, but um, yeah, those those big issues that we see with Jonathan Smith's teams. I mean, Oregon State always consistently the one thing was they're going to run the ball and they're going to have an amazing offensive line. Um, yeah, he was able to bring. I still don't know how to pronounce it. Jim Michal Michalczyk Michalczyk Michalczyk. Yeah, over, that's, the, uh... the, the O line coach. I mean, he's he's been a Broyles Award guy. Like he. He can get guys that have big bodies and coach them up to be great on the offensive line. And they went out and they were able to bring over uh, a couple of their big offensive line recruits, mainly from Hawaii, to uh, come to East Lansing next year. And those are big wins. Yeah, big wins. And uh, I think another hire that they hit on that kind of goes unnoticed was getting Joe Rossi as the defense coordinator from uh, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota Rossi was. Sneaky, sneaky these last, you know, three, four years defensively wise. Mm -hmm. They were. You, you do have to, you know, wonder. I mean, as is the case with any, anybody in that division, you have to wonder if it was just Big Ten West or if it was, you know, Rossi actually, which I mean, as of right now, there's no reason to think it's not Rossi being good. It's just whenever you're dealing with the Big Ten West and just those teams, you, you have to kind of be in the back of your head like, well, was it Drossy or was it playing Iowa and Nebraska and, you know, those guys? Yeah, it is one of those things. Like, when they did play Michigan and Ohio State, like, they they got walloped. Like, I'm not, yeah. not going to downplay that. But, even, um, an even bigger talent disparity, too. Like, that's the thing. Oh, 100%. I, um, I don't think – I think a lot of people do realize, but that is, like, one of the tougher jobs. Like, they oh, – yeah. They want to win because they have a they have a history of winning, but that history of winning is from like the 30s and 40s. Like, and yeah. people for some reason still think they can get back to that. But I I don't know. We never we never graded the Big Ten jobs the way we did um the Big 12. Like, where would you put Michigan State? In the new Big Ten, without thinking too much about the other teams, guts says somewhere like around eight. Yeah, they're they're definitely that top half. I'd say like yeah, like seven to nine range, yeah, somewhere in that range. Because obviously the the big three, the Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan are all in the top three. Oregon's up there. USC's up there. USC's up there. So that's five. Washington. Uh, honestly, that, that yeah, I, yeah. I think I'd say Washington's probably six, and then it's like Wisconsin, Michigan State, Nebraska, UCLA, all. UCLA, UCLA is a tough, 
I, I think yeah. we talked about this. They're the they're the poorest program in the nation. <laughs> as funny as that is, they they're like one of the only ones that lost money as a Power Five program. So yeah, UCLA is they've one got of those their own. Where, like yeah, their sports brand in general is bigger than Michigan State, yeah. but a lot of that is carried by basketball. Which I mean, you can say the same thing for Michigan State, but yeah, I, I, I'd say the uh, yeah the basketball really carries them over a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I I say somewhere in that six to ten range, they're definitely in the top half. They they've got the money and the the facilities and the resources to try and win. But
but yeah, just looking ahead to next year, like the uh, the schedule is definitely not doing them any favors. I mean, they do avoid Penn State for the first time in a while, but then they get a murderer's row in the middle of Ohio State, Oregon, Iowa, and Michigan. That's a tough stretch. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, though, I think I think every game is winnable, and I mean, I'm, I'm honestly the Iowa game is winnable if I saw anything from them last year. So uh, they they, they've got FA, right? They've got FAU and Boston College as they're out of conference. They should be able to win both of those games. Should be. Uh, and then they've got Maryland, IU, Illinois, Purdue, and Rutgers, which they should be able to win those five. But who knows? September terms are weird, man. I, I'm getting so fed up with them playing that game like week two or week three. Just play them in October, <laughs> yeah, like we, and it's it's pro- yeah. yeah, if you play them in October or November, it's probably a win. That was a game yep. last year. They they held Maryland to a negative success rate, and somehow Maryland still scored like 31 points. I love <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, this I, is just going to be tougher, I feel like. Uh, but definitely not an impossible thing to pull out of. I mean, it, it can't get much worse. Right. And uh, luckily, I, I will say the one thing that another thing Smith did well was he kept Courtney Hawkins on staff, who's the uh, wide receivers coach, because he knows Ohio well. And yeah. Harlan Barnett's still around in some capacity. I mean, I will say he he deserves some credit for being able to keep it together, even if they weren't very good. Yeah. Right. Outlook, like, 85 for me. Like, they might be able to have a every third or fourth year, you know, a group of juniors and seniors if they can keep them in-house and maybe make the playoff. Maybe. But they're, I, don't, I don't really view them as a team that will ever really win a playoff game or ever compete for a title. I think they can win a playoff game. Like, if they got their – like, getting the quarterback is going to be the big thing. The quarterback helps fix all woes when it comes to your roster makeup sometimes. Yeah. We'll really see how Childs does. Like, that's going to be the first first step of anything. I mean, like, he seems super excited. He might go out there and just be, I don't know, Jaden Daniels-esque. Like, who knows? Honestly. Changes the scene. I mean, and it's not like he was he he wasn't bad when he was at Oregon State either. But sometimes just getting into a new system, getting into a new environment, can help even that much more. Yeah, there was. I mean, he would have been the starter in Oregon St- in uh, Corvallis for sure this last year. It's right. just coach left, brought everyone with him, uh, brought some guys over. Like it's it's just the DJ was hanging over his head the entire time. Yeah. When I when the games I. Yeah, the games I watched when he got in, he looked really good, mm-hmm. accurate. Yeah. Uh, he 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 knows when to run. Like, could be really exciting. It's just I'm not I'm not worried about the cold weather because Corvallis is obviously cold. Like I'm, I think he's gonna be fine. Yeah. No, I think I think there's plenty of reason to be optimistic going forward. It's about managing expectations, though. Like you said, like is Michigan State ever? I won't say never because. There may come a day where Michigan and Michigan State have reversed roles to a certain point. You never know. I mean, yeah, we were there for seven years, eight yeah, years. Exactly. It happened. So, and who knows what's going to happen with Michigan? Or with the new playoff. Like, I don't know. The, the SEC and Big Ten are apparently expressing their displeasure at the playoff format, which might just be removing the amount of automatic qualifiers or reducing the amount of automatic qualifiers now that other conferences have imploded. But. Um, like it might just end up being a whole new format if they're if they're really not happy about it. Which I mean, it's just more yeah. I mean, I, more dick wagon from the Big Ten and the SEC. But yeah, I, I mean, I think we'll get this new this current format for at least one year, uh, at least probably two, and then they'll have to change everything around. Yeah. I it, it's going to change pretty quick. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just. 
I doubt it's sustainable in its current form. So they have to figure out an alternative solution. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's, it's hard to grade the program on where they are, but I, I think it's heading in a good spot. It's, yeah. it can be a national program. It's just, you got to find the guy that can do that. Like I said, I think, I think Smith's done a good job at what's that. I was going to say the hardest, hardest part's doing it. Like it's yeah, the blueprint, blueprint's there for success. We've like you said, we've seen it under D'Antonio. Like you just gotta, just gotta be able to find the guy that can execute. Yeah. I, I think Smith's going to be a lot more focused on recruiting, but I could see the, the lane model working a little better than the, uh, the way the Colorado model did. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd view them as similar to Ole Miss right now. Just that's kind of where they could be, you know, 10, 11 wins and right. Using the transfer portal. Yeah. They've got a ton of money. That's, that's really the, that's, that's the best. That's the, that's the good thing. They've got a ton of money. Like great equalizer. It's a, a huge school, 50,000 students, a lot of alumni and uh, a couple of alumni that are big pockets. So that's the positive. It's just these last couple of years have been really rough. They have. I, I think there's definitely a reason to believe there's light coming out of the end of the tunnel. It's hard when you bring such a big name like Tucker that just flames out so quickly. Like it was a very drastic flame. Yeah. I will say they, they lucked out really hard with Washington and Bama and everything. Cause if, that Washington job was open. Jonathan Smith was a hundred percent on his way there. Yeah, yeah, they walked out know, in that regard. Jen Fish was probably a pretty damn strong contender to on its own. Yeah, Smith. Smith was the uh, he was the OC there when Peterson was there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and for him, I know it's a big change, but just being able to stay on the West Coast and not move completely, like it probably would have. And the money would have been there. It would, the money would have been same. It would have been comparable. Hundred percent. But he's in he's in East Lansing now, so definitely reason to be optimistic there for for a Spartan training. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him as a guy that, I don't know. It's once again like the Sharon Moore four and a half over under. I we'll see. I don't I don't see it being him getting fired because the team's not performing. I see it more of he. He might leave for a bigger job if he's doing too good. Yeah, which is always the risk when you're in, like, again, just a program like Michigan State with where it is, just being realistic about the pecking order in college football. Like, it's a, it's a tough situation. Yeah, exactly. All right. But, I mean, I, that's all I got. I, uh, I don't know. Who are we doing next? Let's do a few hot seat schools. Florida? I think. Florida, yes. We need to do Florida. Should we do uh, two of the three Florida schools? Just keep it down south. We could do two of the three. We could we could add in one more. Who else is on the hot seat? Is uh Arkansas? I think if they're not, they probably should be. I was I, I was there. I was listening to something earlier. Do you think Beamer's on the hot seat now? Yes. Yeah, we could we could do them. I I just like to add in a another school from another conference so that we don't just all SEC, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, my, or we already said Miami, didn't we? Yeah. So we do Florida, Miami, Arkansas. Who's on the hot seat in the Big 12? Is uh, is Sonny Dykes on the hot seat? Sonny Dykes. I would say the hotter seat is probably Aranda. Yeah, we could, we could do Baylor. That's true. All right, let's do uh, – Baylor, the two Florida schools. That works for me. All right. Well, we'll uh, hopefully that one's out later this week, maybe Friday. Yeah, I think. We can. I think. I think. I think Monday Fridays work because then uh, the middle of the week we have all the news pop up and then don't have to like talk about it immediately. That's true. Yeah, let's play, but, let's play on that. Then we'll uh, we'll get that out Friday. So. All right. Well, thanks for hopping on, man. No, thank you. And thank you all for listening. Uh, Feel free to like, share, rate, review, subscribe to the pod. Give us five stars. Leave a review or ask a question, and we'll try to answer it. I know uh, 
a lot of the podcasts are doing that format now, and we'll definitely try to do that as well. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at TNTCFBpod. Uh, also, follow us individually. I am at Big Time Tiller, and Bennett, you are? Uh, Bennett underscore CFB. So follow us on socials there. Um, interact with us there. Join us in our Discord. Link to that's in our Twitter bio. And, uh, I think that about covers it, doesn't it? Yep. Don't tweet at recruits. National Signing Day is two days away. Don't tweet at recruits. Yeah, but how many guys are left? Like Late, late signing day, as it's yeah. probably going to end up being called here soon. Late but, signing day, hopefully the future only signing day. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I feel like that's another thing that's got to change, but like with the academic calendars, it just makes it tough. So we'll, we'll have to yeah. see how that goes. But have a good week, everybody. We will see you all on Friday. All right, thanks, guys.